ride with me in my foul life. All right, man, we're going to continue this talk with Chris Cifrio, part two. And as we sit here in Arkansas, up in the northeast part of the state, around the Cache River, the Black River, the White River, a um, lot of heritage here, a lot of culture, and duck calling is a big part of that culture. And we started with part one about, you know, duck calling and the construction and the design and and the way these jargon calls are designed and how Chris has put his ingenuity and process into these calls and how, you know, one of the big points in part one was when a guy or a girl goes into a dealer and wants to pick a duck call, he, Chris wants them to pick the color they like and just know that the consistency and all of the, um, you know, just every, perfect tolerance was kept on every call to where they all the same. If you pick up a small talk, it's going to sound the same as every other small talk at the counter, same with the loud mouth or the icebreaker. So that's really important because you, you have the tendency to go through calls and find the one that you like. Well, rest assured with jargon, they're all going to be the same. You can change the read lengths to get a little bit different tone or pitch out of them, but you're not going to have a problem with these calls being tuned different or any of the, uh, any of the uh, measurements being off. So with that being said, you know, we're proud of jargon game calls. We've uh, had done a soft launch here at at the beginning of 2019. And we feel like we have some very special designs in no way, shape or form. Are we saying that we, redesigned the duck call or reinvented the duck call or that our duck call so much better than any out there. We just want to have a strong brand, a strong presence. We want to have transparency and we want to try to create this jargon community of communication. And we talked about what jargon meant and what the brand meant and how many different levels of jargon there are in the duck hunting or any hunting community with the way we talk to our peers and our hunting partners, to the way we talk to our duck dogs and to the way we talk to the wild animals. So I want to get into, you you know, duck, you know, duck calling Chris and how important it is. And we're in no, nowhere in the world is duck calling more evident, more prevalent and more needed than in Arkansas. You know, right. uh, you agree with that? No, that's exactly right. And mostly the reason why is because we're hunting, we're hunting holes sometimes that are extremely thick that, you know, you might just have like a little gap in the trees where the birds have to fall in. And, and, you know, they are keying in off of sound and not so much sight. You know, it's been said, and you brought it up earlier, that, you know, there's guys out there that actually will hunt the timber without even throwing out a decoy or putting any kind of decoys or anything in the, in the timber itself. So sound is the major, you know, aspect in, in killing mallard ducks in the timber over here. And that's why... You know, around around here, you run into guys and especially young guys that have, you know, they can blow a call backwards and forwards. And the reason why is because, you know, they've been taught by their grandfather or, you know, their dad or or picked it up off their brother or, you know, even one of their best friends might have, you know, taught them how to blow a duck call. It's it's just it's what it is. It's the heritage over here. It's it's, it's what, you know, you know, Rich and Tone kind of says what we do. And, and that's exactly right. It's what we have to do. It's what we have to, you have to learn how to blow a duck all over here and not to say you can't kill ducks without it, but it's definitely plays a major role in, in getting those birds to commit. Yeah. And, you know, adding on to what you're saying is like when you hunt ducks in, in a lot of the places I do, where let's say you're in a wide open cornfield in North Dakota, you're on a river system in Montana or the, the snake, you know, like the, the, 
I don't, the Yellowstone River in Montana or the Snake River in Idaho or the Columbia River in, in Washington, a lot of different places we chase mallard ducks, you, you have a lot of visual aspect to it, meaning they can see your decoys from a long ways away. If you are in a state where mechanical or electronic decoys like a mojo spinning wing decoy is, is legal to use, they can see that from a long ways away. Uh, you you it's very visually based that's what ducks the ducks center in on visual aspects too you know like they'll look across and they'll see flash they'll see water being churned up and splashing around and ducks moving around and you know scurrying and what we call thrashing around and that draws them in you know and then that might draw them in faster than sound will because they could probably see a lot further away than they could hear depending on wind and everything and i don't know scientific you know evidence of that but i would assume that a duck can see further than they can hear i might be wrong no i mean you're 100 percent correct because mallards are in my opinion and and it's been told that mallards are very curious animals and so how many times do you walk in a decoy spread and you walk out in the decoy spread to, to move it instead of you know you move your decoys Take the mojo, turn it off. Uh, take a know, leak. Yeah, <laughs> take a leak, whatever. Pick up a duck, grab your dog, you know, running your dog. And all of a sudden you look up and there's mallards on top of you. I think that from a long ways away, they pick up on that motion. And even though you're a human being, they kind of curious to see what that is. That was a time and, 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 you know, believe it or not, I hunted the state and go to state prison. And this one one slough that we were hunting, they had actually threw out some broken up glass on the edge of that slough. And we we watched, you know, mallards, pintails key into that spot. And they, yeah, they were coming to the call once we started blowing the call, but they really sucked into that one spot. And the only thing we can think is, is it was that broken glass that was reflecting and making them curious. To what, what is that? You know, I'm not going to say that's the reason why they did because I can't, I don't have no evidence behind it, but. Makes sense. And I know. mean, Terry Denman, who, who's helped elevate the Mojo brand, you know, he bought that company in 1989 and patented it and did everything with, you know, with marketing that company. And, you know, when people talked about in 1999, 2000, 1998, somewhere in there when spinning wings were first coming out, the, the blade in California and then the actual spinning wings, they said that it was, I've heard numbers of, that are astronomical of how many cl- mallards these duck clubs in Arkansas were killing when it first came out. They were curious. They hadn't seen it before. They're, I mean, still today, you put a, a spinning wing in a cornfield or a pea field in Canada and ducks draw to it. And the reason that you hear a lot of that, my good buddy Dave Stanley says in Canada, you're hunting fields that are 40 acres, 80 acres a piece. You know, the fields are really, really big up there. Hundreds of acre fields. Like it takes you a few, like 10 minutes to drive across some of these fields if you're going 60. And how else are you going to get their attention unless they happen to fly right over you? So from a long distance away, those mojos or that spinning wing effect was originated to get the duck's attention to at least bring them into the area to give you a chance for them to hear your call, see the rest of your spinning wing. If you're on water to see ripples, to, you know, all to give you a chance. And that's, it goes along the lines of that glass, the flash, the reflection that goes along the lines of going out and picking up your decoy spread or moving your decoy, whatever you're doing, that curiosity and that movement brings them around. And everybody's like, yeah, you know, the, the biggest joke is, man, we haven't seen ducks for a while. Somebody get up and take a leak. 
And yeah. that's like an ongoing joke with duck hunters. Like as soon as we get out of the blind, they're going to come. Well, there's a reason for that. It's not just coincidence. So in Arkansas, you know, before I was talking about in all these other places that places that we hunt, you can see your decoy spread and your spinners from a long ways away. I think, and I've been on top of timber in planes, and I've been on top of timber through a drone as far as being able to see down in it. And when that drone moves off and isn't like right directly in line with the hole or the slit that you're talking about, or a man-made hole, you can't see anything. You can't pick up on any of the visual parts of what you're, you know, the jerk string going off. I'm not saying that decoys don't work in the timber, even though a lot of Arkansas guys hunt without decoys without a jerk rig, they kill ducks that are hunting up that call. We seen it yesterday in the clouds. Them ducks would get over us and they'd be right over us. Just like, where's she at? Where's she at? Where's she at? They weren't even, they weren't even trying to go into the decoy spread in the hole. No, it's late season ducks. They probably don't want to be in a hole. They've been shot out there before. They might be a little stale, a little experienced, you know, have a little bit of knowledge to them, but they hear that hen that, and when Joel would start walking off, they, they were hunting him up. So I think that that's why duck calling has become so proficient in Arkansas because you don't have. 70 spreads of spinning wings with some full body mallards and full body Canada goose decoys in a cornfield in the wide open plains of North Dakota or South Dakota where ducks can see you from miles away. You don't have that. They can't see you in those trees until they get over you and low enough and on their descent to start working. Now there might be somebody out there that's going to say that's bullshit. You can, they can see those spinners and those flashes through the trees. I'm like, really? Because there's a lot of things that shine in trees. The water shines, the, you know, there's a lot of stuff down there that could be, there's something that's drawn them to get over your freaking hole in the first place. It could be ancestral feelings. Like I've been in those woods before, but why did they ever go there in the first place? I'd say because they heard ducks in there. Yeah. It's, it's not so much. I mean, definitely you want to be on the X. You want to try to be on the X. You want to be where the birds want to be. You know, it's always been said, you know, go where the birds want to be and be where the birds want to be. but at the end of the day, how many times, and, and I know I've seen it in timber, we have six, seven guys in a hole, and then you got a hole maybe three, 400 yards away that has two guys in it, and we're blowing calls, sounding like a raft of ducks. Well, our decoy spread is no different than, than the next guy, and they might fly over the top of them, and then they come back because we sound like a raft of ducks. You know, and, and that has to be said, too, as far as, here in Arkansas, a lot of guys hunt with big, big, big groups, a lot of callers. And the reason why is we're trying to sound like a raft of birds in the timber. So I think, it, I think that statement is definitely true that they're hunting up the call, not so much the decoys. Okay. So then would it be fair to say that as a duck hunter in Arkansas, you can't have, I guess you could, but like you don't see it very often to where... Yeah, I don't, I don't believe in calling. I just go with people that know how to call. I mean, everybody in this state has a duck call, a duck caller, they call it. Everybody's got their duck caller. It's what they call ducks with. Come out of the womb blowing a duck call. I met a girl on the plane the other day, 83 and 84, 1983, 1984, woman's world champion in Stuttgart. There's so many world champions that have come out of Stuttgart through the Duns and the Echo family, the Stevens and the Rickenbach, Rickenbachs and, and Ronquest and the, everybody that's wanted on a Rich and Tone. There's a few other call companies that have wanted. I can't name a lot of them. 
But here uh, recently, you know, it's been echoes, risen tone, so forth. Yeah, and I know Betts. Brad Allen, who won the Worlds three times, has elite duck calls. Betts won it maybe once or something, which is fine. But Brad's calls won a couple of the contests this year, the juniors and, and one other one for elite. Brad won the World Duck three times. Yeah. He knows his way around a duck call, right? No um, doubt. I'd say the best duck callers in the world come from Arkansas consistently. I know somebody from Louisiana has won it here lately, maybe in the last 10 years, a uh, one timing from a guy from California won it. But I would, I would vent, I would be bet that 80% of the world duck champions have come from Arkansas. And I'm talking about the chicken Sophie. I'm talking about the, the, the world duck, the junior world, the, you know, the Arkansas state could be the world duck calling champion a lot of years. I mean, the world duck calling championships, there's so many good callers in there. The top 10 guys in the Arkansas state have a chance to win the worlds every year. So I think where I'm going with that is you got to be ducky on a duck call to be successful in Arkansas. Doesn't mean you can't go out and hunt a rice field. I'm talking about the timber, which this place is known for. I, I, I think rice field hunting has its place and its purpose, and that's fine. Duck hunting's duck hunting, most people. I want to be in the trees. So I feel like that's why... Duck, you come down here and you're like, dude, that eight-year-old sounds like a duck because they've been brought up. Like, if you want to be successful down here, you got to learn how to blow a duck call. Oh, no doubt. So with that being said, when we see ducks high, right, we see them way up there. And you're talking about having a lot of guys in the blind emulating a raft of ducks. A lot of people are like, man, that you would never do a high ball in the duck wood or in the duck blind. You hear that on the competition stage? Like, I'm not saying that you use that same cadence all the time in the woods, but when they're up there and they're high in the out in the atmosphere and you're trying to break ducks in the timber, dude, I've seen it work. I saw it work yesterday. I've seen it work the day before big time. Those blue skies yesterday, it was tougher because they weren't that high. We were calling it ducks below the clouds, but you don't know how many ducks are above the clouds, but on a bluebird day, when you can see in their way up there, how many times personally have you seen ducks just stop in their tracks and break and just put their parachute on and start their descent because they hear that sound? Oh, it's tons of times. I've been asked that same question, you know, high balling like that, you never hear that as far as in the woods, never hear it on a raft of ducks. But really what I guess people don't understand is, is that when you hit a high ball, and what it's a hunting style, really we call a hunting style hell, is well, when it hits a duck, you know, it's just like you walking, walking away from me. And I say, hey, Chad, well, when you hear that, you know, I might say it quick and I might say it loud, but by the time you hear it, all you do is get a piece of it. Chad, you know, you don't hear that whole sentence I just said, hey, Chad, you know, those two words. You're not just hearing those two. You don't hear those two words. You just hear just a tad piece of it. And I think the duck, a duck does the same thing. A group of birds do the same thing. You know, it's windy up there. There's no telling how hard the wind's blowing, I guess, you know, a thousand feet up in the air, 500 feet up in the air, whatever level they're at. They're just picking up a piece of that and it's an attention getter just to say, Hey man, again, there comes that curiosity. You know, what is that down there? Let me go check it out. And then they swoop down, descend and, and, and come do it. And then of course, <coughs> excuse me, that's where, you know, uh, you know, your mojo comes into play. Uh, of course, we can't use mojos here in the WMAs in the state of Arkansas. We can only use it on private land. So we have to deal with it. That's where that motion of the jerk string 
comes in play. You know, all of a sudden they they've heard that you you've yelled at them, you yelped at them hard, and all of a sudden here comes a a group of birds and they come over the top of your decoys and and see some motion down there with the the jerk string, see some you know some decoys moving, uh you know and picking up on that site. You know, I, I know a big factor too as far as once they do get over the top of the trees, you know, again picking up that white and that black, you know. Birds, you know, ducks see black and white the best out of any decoy. And it's been it's been said that black is the one that they actually pick up the most. Back in the day, they used to spray paint, you know, milk bottles black and put them out in a decoy spread. And they killed the heck out of them. So I really do believe that, that that's what they're hearing up in the air. And and we've had six, seven guys. I mean, we've had up to fifteen guys. I don't, I don't, you know, I tell anybody to hunt with that big of a group, really. But as long as you know you're with the guys and you know they're safe, that's it's perfectly fine. But we've had up to fifteen guys in the timber, and you wouldn't believe what fifteen guys sound like on duck calls. It's unbelievable. It's mind-boggling how how much it sounds like a raft of ducks. Which is another cool point because let's say you get in a situation in Arkansas where you're hunting with 15 guys and three of them happen to be young men that are 12, 14, 15 years old that might not be as proficient as you or Rick Dunn or John Stevens or Adam or whoever else is hunting here. They can still get in there and chatter and get be part of that. You know, they might be drowned out by the sound y'all are making, but at, least, noise. but at least they're participating and they're, and they're joining in on that raft of ducks and those ducks in the sky are hearing that and what you're saying where they hear little bits and pieces is why team calling and these 14 or 15 proficient duck callers let's say it's only eight or nine guys that are proficient on a duck call making those sounds and running those greeters together and never getting on top of each other and you hear it a lot in two-man competition judges are listening don't get on top of each other like pointing dogs don't disrespect each other's points if one guy's finishing his cadence the other guy comes in and those ducks up there are getting little bits and pieces of each of that so the lead duck that's hitting up there they're hearing a little bit of this and then they might be too far this way to hear it and then when they get back this way they pick it up again but at that when they're too far this way in the lead the back ducks might hear something so that's when all of that communication starts taking place and they're descending on those woods and they get down and then here's what you talk about finesse calling where now you start reading them and they're in a race. They're starting to circle around. They're starting to look for that slit. They're starting to fick and judge the wind and figure out how they're going to get into that hole. Cause there's times where you close yourself off in a hole. You got to be careful with how you, you got to know what's going on there because a lot of times when you're in the woods, you can't feel the wind like it is up there or outside of the track of woods. So you got to understand that and know that, Hey, they're going to try to come in this way. And if they can't, and they get over the top of me and they're seeking that call out and, and hearing it, which was your argument why you wanted to move the day before yesterday. They're seeking that call out and hunting that call up and they're not, they don't, they can't get into the hole. The chances of them busting you were, uh, the odds are a lot greater. So you got to make sure that you give them that right runway and that right approach and knowing when to hit them. Then you start visualizing it. Like when they get this side of the hole, when they get down the runway, we're going to let them get out there a little bit there, stand on that first note. <laughs> and turn them and then they might circle one more time and get a little bit lower that's when your finesse calling comes in your jerk strings your mojo if you're on private woods in arkansas that's when all of that comes into place but why are they over that hole in the first place is the question they didn't just look down there and go that looks like a nice place you're not going to persuade me of that 
There could be some groups that have no. ancestrally come there historically for years and their kids have been, in, it's been ingrained in their, in the young duck's mind that that's where they go, but they got to freaking pinpoint that sound, man. You ever called a coyote in the big open country of, of, of uh, open state, like North Dakota or Nevada or Oklahoma or somewhere, they come from mile, they can come from a mile, two miles away and they end up five feet from you. They pinpoint that sound. They just, they're just, their instincts are amazing. Ducks do the same thing. I truly think that ducks come to places based on vocalization. When you're in those trees, they come to that place. And I think when there, when there is open area and they can see your decoy spread, I think you finish ducks with sound. I think you put them down oh, in the place yeah. and they hunt that sound up and that you can finish them. And that's why I think a big piece of the duck hunting puzzle Probably we've had conversations about how awesome I feel it is to run a boat and be proficient on a boat and be able to really be the boat, boat, you know, the duck boat operator and captain duck calling is that prideful part of duck hunting. Like I'd rather be a good duck caller than a good shot. And I love shooting shotguns. I love my Benelli. I take a lot of pride in it, but I was just something about communicating with wild animals. And I really think that ducks hear that sound from way up there. And I've heard terms like rattle in the woods. You don't even see ducks and you just, and you get that raft going. And then what happens? Whoa, they're there. They heard you. You might not have seen them. They might've been specks up there. They weren't even seeing. You're just rattling the woods and shaking it up. And the next thing you know, you got ducks over you. Well, because I mean, the timber, the timber, it, it rattles the wood anyway. You know, whenever, whenever you're blowing five, six, 10, 15 guys are blowing in the timber, you know how much it echoes in the timber. I mean, it's unbelievable. We took that video the other day of you and Clay when I was, we were walking to go get the boats. Turned around. I was probably, oh, we had to been 150 yards from y'all. And it sounded like we were right up on top of y'all. You know, that's, that's how far the sound carried through the woods. It's the same thing with a shotgun. You shoot in the field and the wind's blowing. Don't even hear it. Barely even hear it. But when you hear it, you know it's rolling like thunder so it's 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 crazy how much that sound will carry and it's crazy how ducks respond to a duck call i mean it's it's mesmerizing really i mean there was this one spot that i hunted in the timber off the mississippi river down louisiana and i stayed on a hell call on hunting style hell these ducks were leaving and eating rice, and I don't know exactly where they were eating rice at, but it had to have been at least 75 miles away because there wasn't a rice field within seven miles, 75 miles away. And they were coming over the top of that timber. And I'd hit them up with a hail call, and I had my buddies hitting them up with a hail call. And here they come descending. Drop straight down to the timber, start making a, you know, a circle, circleness. Hit, we call them on the corners. That's what a lot of people don't do, and they make the mistake of in the timber – and I was taught that you call them on the corners. You don't keep on calling. If a duck's coming, you stop. Let him come. When he turns away from me, and sometimes, especially on a windy day, or well, well, not so windy day, you want to let the birds go away from you, go downwind, let them get a ways a little bit, and then hit them up. They're going to turn back, you know, if they're going to even try to work you. They're going to turn back. But you got to call them on the corners. And, and line them up with a the hole. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think calling on the corners is key. And if you 
the other part of that calling on the corners is now it's time for that quote unquote finesse calling or getting a little bit quieter and a little bit more finer, you know, like the fine details of the calling are now, they need to be evident now. And I feel that you can blow ducks out of a hole just as much as you can get ducks to come to a hole with a caller. So you have to make sure that you are doing what it takes with your mouth and your back pressure and, and the different parts of what goes into calling, you know, all of the different parts of your body, your tongue, your, your cheeks, your fatty tissue in your mouth, or the cavity, the mouth size, the tongue, where it's placed and what you're doing with your hand and creating back pressure and what you're doing with your stomach and the pressure that's building up and the amount of air that's going in, you know, all of that stuff comes in and becoming, you know, we use the word professional on this, but becoming proficient with a duck call means, can you call them close? And a lot of times when you hand a call to a guy, the first thing they want to do is just and become a wall of sound. And I, when I talk, when I hand people a call, I, I go, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to call I'm a, I'm a mallard, a group of mallards and I'm at 30 yards or I'm 50 yards. I want you to finish me in the hole. And then you, it's hard for them to do it. It's hard for them to bite down and really get down on that call. And you heard it a few times this, this week is like, we'd be working them and finesse them. We've been in the timber lot and the guys that might not have had as much experience, they'd hit that. And a lot of it has to do with the vision part of it too, as a hunter, because if you, you in a, in timber, you, there's times where you're 10, 15, 20 feet away from the other hunters. And it's right. not like you're in a confined blind going, Hey guys on the right, on the right. Like, you could be calling the ducks over here while I'm working this group. And you're loud calling at these ducks because you know that they need to be loud called at. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Like, these ducks are right here. You might not have even seen them. Mm -hmm. And I'm calling this group. So there's a lot that goes into the communication part when you're in the timber. And the, re the reason I'm talking about timber so much is that I really think that it's the land of duck callers. I really think that this is where you really have to be able to blow a duck call. And I'm not saying you won't kill them in there. But nine times out of 10, the holes that kill them have some proficient duck callers in it. And I feel like with jargon and what we're doing here is like, I would not have gotten involved in this brand if these duck callers weren't legit. Like you've got some unbelievable designs here. We make a good team when it comes to this. And I think that having an understanding of where we come from, I'm from Nevada, you're from Louisiana and our call company is derived and originated in Arkansas. So that's saying something there. You know, I don't have so much pride that I'm going to be like, I'm going to build this duck call out of Nevada. Dude, duck calling comes from Arkansas. I'm not saying that there's call companies that aren't successful that aren't from here. There are some. Right. And I'm not saying as far as there's not other good duck calls out there. There's a ton of good duck calls out there. Any duck call, if a guy can blow a duck call, he can pick up any duck call out there and he can actually blow it. I mean, he can blow it and he can make it sound good. A really good duck caller can do that. They can change things up in mouth, their throat, whatever they got to do to make that duck call sound good. But at the end of the day, everybody can shoot a pump shotgun. And I'm not cutting people down on pump shotguns, but hey, why not have something that's a little bit easier? And a semi-automatic shotgun's a little bit easier. You don't, you don't have to pump it every single time. You can pull the trigger, boom, boom, boom. So I want a duck call. And I'm guessing other people that, you know, they want a duck call. What they're looking for is they're always looking for that niche. They're looking for that duck call that is a little bit more user-friendly, that is a little more forgiving, a little bit less, you know, as far as stick, 
you know, uh, perfect hold in a call. You know, we talk about hold. Holding a call is when you can sit there and you can whine. You can get on the bottom end. If you have zero hold in a call, you're not going to have that forgiveness and you're not going to have that bottom end. You're just going to basically be blowing through the call. And so you want that exact, and there's, there's like a fine line in a duck call for that hold. You shave it a little bit too much. You put that drill hole a little bit too deep. Uh, you know, you make that read a little bit too long. There's a fine line on getting that hold perfectly correct in order to make that and get that duck out of it, get that, 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 you know, sound, that perfect sound out of it and that voice in that duck call. Yeah. And I think that when you start talking about getting that perfect sound is that now we're talking about, well, you got to have a duck call to be a duck hunter. It's a big part of it. You want to sound like a, you know, you want to feel like you're a duck caller. And then you're like, well, when does it stop? When do you know you are a good duck caller? Is it, it never stops? It uh, never does, does it? Like, <laughs> it yeah, oh, I killed lemon and mallards. I know what I'm doing. Well, yeah, I mean, how did you kill them? When did you kill them? What kind of ducks were they? Was it in a pea field in Saskatchewan in September? Because your duck calling had nothing to do with it. I'm never going to tell you that to your face because I want you to love it and feel like a part of it. But I'm I'm the first one to know that when I'm in North Dakota on a bluebird day and we're smashing mallards in the corn, I'm I'm calling just to feel like I'm adding to the hunt. <laughs> I truly am. Now no, I'm not saying that Chad, I'm not, not saying case. that when they you know ducks work different in a cornfield. They make false uh, runs and they work you know really horizontal instead of like in the timber where they're working vert more vertical until they well, get they down there. Well, they just make it easy, really. Yeah. They I, make it a little easier. What do? Well, ducks do in the cornfields and up north. You know, they, it's probably just a little bit easier. Right. By the time the ducks get down here, they've seen, they've heard everything. And so we got to change but, it but up. But here's the deal is that I don't think you can kill them in a cornfield without a mojo. You can kill them in the timber without a mojo. You, th- you think so? What in the timber? No, in the cornfield. I just think that I just think that um, if you're in on the X and you know that you have a big big grind of mallards coming into that field, you could probably kill some of them. But the mojo, I mean, I I agree. The mojo is definitely a, a key you crush to them. killing them. They land on it, yeah, every time, every time. Like it's like you can get in between them and run traffic, and if you if you let them see you, you got a chance of killing them. I think that it, the mojo is way more important than the duck call in dry fields in North Dakota. I truly do. I mean, I agree with that. And, you know, you talk about running traffic. I mean, that's all we're doing in September. Most of the time. We're running traffic. I mean, yeah, the other place we hunted the other day, those birds were used in that timber. I mean, of course. I mean, those feathers all over the water. And they were sitting in that timber. But most of the time, all we're doing is getting in between them. We're getting in between the refuge. Or sanctuary, or rest a place they're feeding, and they're they're basically just transitioning. They're transitioning from point A to point B, and they're coming over the top of the timber. Very rare do you ever see the birds now rafted up and using the timber. It's very very rare. Now I'm not saying they don't do it. Why but, is that? Well, the main reason why it is is because. I think it just comes down to pressure, really. Just so much pressure, especially over here on public land. You know, and I'm not saying it's pressure, people running them out and so forth, but at any given time, and any given day, there's always somebody running around or walking around or moving around or, 
you know, whatever in the timber of Arkansas on public land. So, of course, mallards are never going to have a chance to actually get in there and start using it. You know, there's still there's still different spots here that they'll get in that maybe is not inaccessible that you can't get to it because it's 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 you know they have a road in between it that you can't hop that road or you know uh, say for instance there's a, a WMA over here right now when the water doesn't get up you can't access the whole east side of the woods and the reason why you can't you know access it is because it's it's you know got a road in between it. The only way you're getting over there is walking. And a lot of people don't want to walk five, four, 500 yards to maybe even a half mile, three-quarter mile. So that being said, we are just, you know, really nowadays in the timber, per se, on most lo- most spots, we're just running traffic. We're catching birds that's moving from point A to point B. I would agree with that. And I think that that's why calling is 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 – needing proficient calling is a necessity when you're running that traffic in the timber hundred percent. And that, I don't think that we're arguing about that. I'm not saying that it's an argument. I'm just saying that I feel that duck hunting and duck calling and, and Arkansas are really like, you know, that's where it is. That's where it's at. And if people came here and they witnessed it and they did it more than once, you come here on one hunt with an outfitter, you might not see that. But if you come here a lot year after year and meet the people and study the landscape and figure out why these ducks are going to timber and where they're coming from on their way to that timber and how they're, you know, and and how you're killing them. A guy that comes here and books a hunt from Georgia that doesn't hunt a lot of timber, he might not understand that the ducks he kills started a mile high. And that those guides were, you know, I don't know how, you know, some guides might be really good at communicating that and be like, hey, guys, look at that. They're falling. Most of the time, they're like, keep your faces down. Keep your face down. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. And while I'm calling ducks, I'm mesmerized by how high they're coming from. So I think we agree that the duck hunting and duck hunting success in the timber is based on audio stimulation and those ducks hearing that call. Now, a proficient duck hunter is going to be better off served, you know, successful success wise, if they can do all of the things on a duck call, because can a guy that's not proficient on a duck call really get that sound out there and blow that call or, or I hate using that word again, present the air the right way to that call to get that ducky sound way out there to hear that, like that quote unquote highball greeter that's your boss in but a little bit louder stretched out to do that let's say that you got to go in the woods and hunt by yourself you know you got to practice that stuff you got to practice your hand positions your tongue positions all the things that go into getting the right sound out of a duck call because when you're hammering on a call that much like we were talking about earlier in our first part of this podcast and your jaw starts getting tired and your and your and your muscles aren't working because you said it's a lot of muscle memory i think that the, the proficiency fact now I've moved on from saying that it is audio and that you got to be, you got to have duck calling in it. Now I'm going to the caller and, and how proficient he or she becomes is based on the practice and the, and the practice techniques that they use. Because a lot of times when I come to Arkansas, I go, man, I sound really a lot like ducks. Now I'm really doing good. I, I feel it. Then you get here and you're like, Oh shit, <laughs> shit, 
shit, gosh damn, I mean, come yeah. on, I, mean, I thought I had it, you know, yeah. I just, I really gave her hell this summer, you know, and then you get here and you're like, <laughs> I suck, like so bad, I like shouldn't even be in the woods. And that's what drives you to be like, dude, I got to freaking learn this. Like your boss in, or you saying that I got a little bit too much roughness or grunt in my call, which I don't grunt, but I get a little bit too much throat in it. I think it sounds fine to my ear, but then when you record it, you can hear the difference. So you're like, now I got to go master that. And then you're like, well, I want to do Jim Ronquist's feed chuckle. I want to learn. I want to get that, that Joel, that, that freaking feed chuckle that he was doing the other day in the woods. It just, the further away he gets, the better it sounds like just duck, you know, like up close, you're like, eh, you know, that cut down sound is like, eh, whatever. But then you get away from it and you're like, oh, that's why they kill ducks with cut downs. Exactly. The further away you get, you're just like, oh, that's why. So now I'm on to the duck caller. Don't care who you are. Don't care if you're a man or a woman. Now it's about how proficient do you want to get? And we talked about this in the beginning of this is how proficient do we want to get? It's never ending. Do you want to just say that you partake in duck calling with the group? Or do you want to be somebody that can read ducks, the body language, the instincts, the lead duck, their, their speed of their wings? Are they dropping their feet at all? Are they bowing their neck at all? What are you reading? I, I can read ducks. I feel like I can read ducks pretty good and know what to hit them with. Now, the sound quality comes in next. Do When I hit them with it, am I choppy? Am I cutting my notes off? Am I finishing my cadences? Ducks finish their cadences. You don't just hear a meh, meh, and stop. Probably it's might work, but it's not right. It's meh, 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 meh. they run out of air. Their diaphragms are smaller. They don't have a lot of air in there. So a hen mallard doesn't talk and run on sentences for days. And that's why people are like, ducks don't do that. Well, yeah, because they can't, but that's not the point. The point is, is that we're not a duck. We're doing that loud highball to get their attention. They don't know that you're not a duck. They just feel like they're hearing ducks. They don't know if it's one or two or thousand of them or just a screwed up hen that has a, a loud voice, whatever. It's not the point. The point is, is that they hear it and they start to send and they start working. So now the sound quality's there. You got to have timing. You got to know what to say when. And you, I might know what a greeter is. I might know what a lonesome his is. I might know what a, a feed chatter is. I might know what a comeback call is. I might know what a pleading call is. But when I do it, is it ducky? Is my air being presented the right way into that call to get the ultimate sound out of it, the sound quality that you're really looking for? And you're like, well, you just said that they don't do the hell note and you do it. Like, that's not real. Like, I'm not saying that that's real. Well, it's, but my, it's, a, it, it's full, right? Hold on. Just let me finish real yeah. quick. I want to be able to look at you at the end of a deal and go like, dude, we just own those ducks. We broke them down. We finished them. And we sounded like ducks. That's the next step. That's where sound quality is. To me, a duck hunter doesn't settle for just going, we killed them. Because... You could might make you might make some bad sounds and still kill them. Remember, their brains are pretty small. I want to be authentic as hell, right? I want my sound. I'm not even talking about decoys yet. And your jerk rig was awesome this week, and the ripples on the water they ate that thing up like bad, ate it up. But as far as the sound quality of my calling goes, or your calling, don't you agree that we want to get to that point to where we're a duck? We sound like a duck. There is a there are people that sound just like ducks. Oh, no doubt. There are. Rick Dunn. I mean, you ever been in the blind with John Stevens? He sounds like a freaking duck. John David Stanley, who I introduced to you on the phone, he sounds like a freaking hand mallard. So that sound quality is the next component of this. 
right? We've already agreed that you got to have audio. They go off audio. We already agreed that you got to know how to read body language and timing and what to say. And now is it good enough to do that, but not make the right sound? Is it good enough to give them the right sound? Like, but do it with a grunt in it. That's not really hen mallard. Are there, are there grunt hens? There are, but is it ducky? I don't know. A lot of people sound way duckier than I do. My point is, is we got to achieve that. We got to get to the point where we sound like hen mallards. Yeah. And, and, and not just have an arsenal of, you know, one duck. So, you know, I've said it before, you got to find a chorus, a raspy and a boss hen. There's really four ducks in a duck call. And you could take and get in between those ducks. So you can get in between a fine and a chorus, in between a chorus and a raspy, and in between a raspy and a, and a boss. Once you get proficient on a duck call, and you know that duck call backwards and forwards, you can throw out old lazy hen, coarse hen, fine hen, raspy hen, boss hen, all these ducks that are in between. And now you got a call that you're getting seven different ducks out of that you can throw out all of a sudden, like the other day we were sitting there and they, the ducks weren't really responding on say a raspy hen, but then we threw out a boss hen, and they started responding on it instantaneously. So that's kind of the next step that I've told people is that, you know, I try to teach people and not to say that I'm, no professional at it because I still learn every single day from and I try to be as humble as I possibly can, can be in the duck calling world because there's guys out there that can rip me on a duck call you take you know there's guys like uh you know Seth Fields Trevor Shanahan Tyler Merritt Jonathan Morton Tyler Brashears there's all kinds of guys that can just blow the absolute heck out of a duck call a J-frame you know a, a finesse call and so learning how and picking up off of other people. And I think that's the, one of the key things is, is you start hunting with a bunch of people and a bunch of different people, you start picking up on, you know, what sounds they're making. And they're like, man, that sounded good. I want to learn how to do that. Or I'm, let me try to do that. You know, a duck call, how you control your air in a duck call is by imagining your, your, your actual airway is like a valve. And you take and you close that valve up to maybe an eighth, eighth inch of air. Say it's a big, big one inch hole of air coming out. And you just slowly start closing that air off. Everything is controlled by your throat and opening and closing in that valve. Opening and closing that valve. That's how you get a bouncing hen. That's how you get a fine hen, coarse hen. You want to get that rasp hen. And I've told people too before, imagine a fine hen as a little small young toddler. He can run circles around you. So he's fast, he's quick. So that's a hink, 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 real quick cadences. And then you go to a course and they slowly start slowing down. You get all the way to a boss and that boss hen, she's old. And she just lays it out and drags it. She's not as raspy. She's kind of got that old cigarette, you know, voice to her. That's kind of rumbly, but just got a little rumble, but it's a, a, a lot of duck in it. So there's so many different ways to blow a duck call. And there's so many different sounds that you can accomplish. And especially out of a good duck call, out of a duck call that's set right exactly to you. You take a, you take a, a call, guy that's blowing a duck call that's got too long of a read. And he might not be able to get all those sounds because he's not, he's never, never been able to achieve. He's always blowing underneath it the whole time. Right. What are they? What's that? 
How many are there? Fine. Okay, hold on. I'm writing this down. Fine. Coarse. C-O-A-R-S-E. Yeah. Raspy. Boss. And you can even throw out a lazy hand in there. I don't know how and that was. Fine. The young duck that's running circles around people? Yes. Okay, so do me a favor and grab that small talk right there. And stand up right in this area here. I don't want you blowing around the microphone. Don't let your headphones. You're going to sit down? Oh, you must be good. Okay. So warm up your call a little bit. Get a little. Do a little feature, a little bit more feature on there. Okay, fine. Blow the call that way. I want to hear your fine hen mallard. Like this girl is fine. Okay, what's your what's your cavity, your mouth cavity doing right there? So my basically what's happening is my jaw is kind of coming down. I'm 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 letting that air. I'm using my mouth and my back of my throat as a valve. I'm kind of clenching down a little bit. Still blowing hot air, still fogging a window, still saying the exact same thing in the call. I mean, I say basically oot, 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 but take away the oot word like we talked about before. So I'm the back of the car, I'm going. <laughs> Not pinching that air, but really using my throat to hold that air down to get that fine hand. Okay, let me hear the fine hand again. Coarse. Let me hear that again. Now do the fine backed up, by, followed by the coarse. Now, where, what's the difference in your in your tongue position or your mouth cavity on the course? Everything's throat. I mean, everything in me is throat. You know, I'm pitching down, pitching my throat down. A guy once said when I was teaching the class, he said, man, kind of describe it like this. Like, uh, you know, how you sing. And I'm not very good on naming different, you know, singers or whatnot, but there's there's one guy that goes, turn the lights off, Dan. You know, turn the lights off. And and something slow, and then they got the Roxanne. Roxanne. Well, you're you're clenching up, you're clenching your throat up, and really, really pinching, not pinching it all, but closing it up in order to do that sound. And that's kind of the same way you're doing with a duck call. You're using your throat. Don't you don't you agree with that? Yeah, hundred percent. So on a raspy hen, all I'm doing is I'm opening that airway out, and I'm still keeping that same pressure. And that push as I'm doing on a coarse hen. But I'll get more rasp by opening my throat up. I can get real raspy. I mean, extremely raspy by opening my throat up. That's raspy. Real raspy. Let me hear it right? again. And then as you go to a boss hen. Wait, wait, wait a minute. You, you're saying that now you got fine, coarse, raspy. Yep. Okay, do fine. Coarse. Raspy. That's coarse. Raspy. Fine. 
coarse, raspy. Three completely, totally different ducks that sound all awesome. Yep. I like the fine. Do the fine again. Coarse. <laughs> You're going to wear me Not out. Not one of your coarse. Uh, raspy. Coarse. Oh, coarse. Fine. Coarse. Raspy. Those are sick. Like sick, sick. So that's three now. Now you got the boss. And the boss in. So now you got the boss in, which is the fourth duck. Okay, so you you the other one was the lazy the fifth one's going to be the lazy hen which yep. we'll get to but now you've went fine the course to raspy now you're doing boss yeah so the boss hen how i describe it is getting older the hen's getting older hen might be anywhere from 7 to i mean they've been up to 12 years old maybe 15 years old and she slowed down she can't run around Kind of just says, it's kind of like your grandpa. Hey, you better not go out there. It's raining. Or you better not go uh, hunting today because, of, you know, the, the the water's too high or whatever. They're slowing down. They're just, they're real aggressive on how they talk. And when they talk, you listen. Yep. So that's how I kind of describe a boss hand. So what I'll do is, is how I do it is I, I slow my cadence down. I drag it out. I get you. It's a fine line. That's probably one of the hardest ones to accomplish. But once you get it, again, you'll never lose it. But it's dragging it out, and she'll have a lot of voice in it. Not so much rasp, but ain't that raspy him. And what are you doing with your mouth cavity and tongue there? That one, what I'm doing is is I'm, I'm kind of getting, believe it or not, but I'm getting in between a raspy and a coarse, and I'm kind of just finding that perfect air. And just holding that valve steady, you know, that, that valve open steady in my throat, just perfectly steady, and then just dragging my notes out. So what I would be doing in the back of the call, and I don't know if people can hear me, but I'd be <laughs> slowing my air down versus on a, on a, on a course end. <laughs> Again. Sounds awesome. And you can extend it out to even get a somewhat of a pleading false here. You know, and just a pleading call to her, you know. And you can do a pleading call with any one of them. But is the air more of the front of your mouth as opposed to letting it come? You're still all throat with that? It's all throat. Even yeah. with that. Yeah, and I might take my tongue and just kind of you know, I try not to use my tongue, yeah, well, which I have. I mean, there's certain people that probably, I mean, there's guys been been able to take a duck call and put it up to their nose and blow cadences. Yeah. I've seen it done. Do a fee call out of their nose, you know, which is sick. But, is sick. <laughs> but I still don't know what you're saying, though. That, that, that boss hen doesn't sound like it has any throat in it, does it, Eric? You don't think? Let me, let me try it one more time. Let me, see, let me see where it might be able to pick it up from. All throat. It's 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 slowing down your air. If you was to take a quack and just do a quack, well, right there. If I slow my quack down, 
That's my boss hen right there. So what do you I'm mean sl- slow it down? I'm just slowing my quack down. I'm not, I'm not basically punching it, punching it out there. I'm taking just slow my air down a little bit. I'm holding that steady. Like I said, between a raspy and a chorus. Okay, let me hear the boss in again. Fine. Coarse. Raspy. Boss. Boss. Hit me, boss. Raspy. Oh, hold on one second. Boss. Raspy. I can I can honestly hear the difference big time. Do it one more time for can me. Can you really? Everybody, this is raspy. Listen, like you got to pay attention because it's, and I don't know how it's going to come across audio wise, but sitting here in the studio with you, I can hear the difference. Like, so, but the two closest that sound the same, similar are the boss and the raspy. It's very, like, it's very distinct between the course. The course is a lot of different, you know, in the tempo, I think of it. And then the, the fine, fine is awesome duck though, but you can tell that's a young duck. But okay, do raspy. Are you grunting there? Uh-uh. Not okay. at all. I'm just opening my airway up. I'm letting that, that reed rattle is what yeah. I'm doing. Okay. Do a quack and raspy. One quack. Okay, now do a quack and, and boss. Wait, hold on. Now do raspy. Yeah, you can hear it. You can hear the rasp. Okay, do boss in cadence. Boss in cadence? Yeah. Now raspy. Two totally different ducks. Now you have now you have four completely different ducks on the same call. That's a small talk, right? Yeah. And then you can get in between those. I mean, there's there's not really Yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be so fine that you you're not gonna be able to, you know, pick it out, I guess, I guess exactly, but there is an in-between. Okay, you so the, is the in-betweens the lazy duck, or are you going to go to the lazy note? What's the lazy So duck? basically a lazy duck is going to be in between, in my opinion, it's going to be in between a fine and a coarse. Because you're going to put a little bit of rasp out there. So it's got a little squeal to it. Yeah. Like, uh, you, are you going to get up and go to work today? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just... Kind of tired. Yeah. It's almost like a little bounce in there, too. Kind of. Yeah. Okay, so there's five different ducks right now. Let's go over them one more time before your jaw wears out. Yeah. Fine. Coarse. Raspy. Boss. Lazy. Lazy. Feed chatter. Double cut feed chatter. You know, there's so... Go ahead. Hold on. I want to hear the bouncing hand. 
And you could do a bounce, I mean, drag it out. You know, more of a Cajun squeal, I guess you could say. But a bounce is when, in my opinion, is when I'm, and I've heard it tons of times, and I know everybody else has too, but when, you know, they'll really get somewhat of a piece of rice in their throat. And they'll go to quack, and they'll just get it caught up in their throat. And you can do a real fine hen, pinch it, pinch it off that throat, and get that real fine bounce. Sounds good. I mean, there's so much. What is the duck you were doing in the woods this last couple of days where it wasn't anything, just like a like a little kid playing with a duck call kind of uh, deal? I'm trying to <laughs> What'd you call it? Uh, well, I'm trying to think which one you're talking about. Just like with no pressure in it, it's just kind of like a loose quack, right? Remember what I oh, said? Oh, flat quack? Yeah, flat quack. Let me hear oh, that. So, flat quack. You don't think that sounds like gray ducks? That sounds like gray ducks. Oh. I've heard I've heard mallards do that. I've heard mallard ducks do that. That was definitely a great up before that. <laughs> you know, that's a great up. But you know, it's just throwing stuff out there that they probably haven't heard before. That's the only reason I'm doing it. You know, you get in the woods and, like the other day, you're sitting there and they're not reacting. You want them to react, but they're not reacting. So why not just try something? What's it going to hurt? They ain't already, they're not coming already. So let me try something different. Right. And that, that's where I think the, my, my biggest reaction call, if I would have to say anything of, of, of making them try to commit when they don't do anything else, when they won't commit on anything else, is I'll throw out this. Boss yeah, it's a boss in, but it's an aggressive boss in. It's a pleading boss in. It's saying, hey, look, there is food down here. You might okay, want to so stop. Let's hit that again. Is, it, is that it or no? No, it's that, that one's a little bit too raspy. So just kind of back it off and get that kind of fineness. but that's better right there so what i'm doing is i'm actually how i'm doing it is i'm kind of i'm kind of getting aggressive with the call and i'm kind of what i always say is grab call you know grab it and call like you mean it like like it's the last time you're ever gonna blow a duck call that's how i blow it it's like a lot of passion that's how you should blow like what i'm confused at is like to my ear I sound like I'm getting that sound, so that tells me well, that. Well, let's ask. No, Eric, I'm right? not arguing with you. No, I'm saying I want to get it right. I want to get the duck right because I really like those ducks. And fine is so fine. Was that too much for asking that? <laughs> Eric, are those close? Do you feel like they're close? I do. I, I, I want to get it right. I want to learn how to do this. I'm very into sounding like ducks. Well, the thing about it is, it, you know, what does it sound like to y'all? Because 
I can sit here. You know, a lot of people say I'm blowing my duck call, but I, I don't know if I'm sounding right. And I kind of see what they're saying. But then when I blow a duck call and I hear it, I go, man, that sounded that sounded good. Me too. You know, so that's why it bugs me every time you tell me that it's not it. <laughs> not to the point to where I want to argue with you because I believe you. You want me to be as good as I can get. Yeah. But it bugs me that I can't get it. Like, I'm like, I don't feel like I have too much rasp in there. Well, I think that you're having, like, you're not, and I'm not saying that you are not. I mean, I, Eric could be the judge, and I want you to be, just because he's your boss, man, I, don't, I want you to be, you I'm know. not his boss. <laughs> I'm nobody's boss, man. Don't be saying I'm the boss, man. I ain't nobody's boss. I want you to, you know, be honest and, 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 and say if it is, but it just seems like you're not getting fine enough. So right there sounded good. Okay, so I'm not, am I, do I have any RAS in mind on the top? No. It's fine, ain't it? Right away on his? Yeah. Maybe right that's what it is. There you go. Now that's it right there, but slow you slow it down a little. Right there. Yeah. So it's a matter of it's a matter of shrinking my air cavity in my mouth. Yeah. those got too much rasp in them no no you're not doing rasp now i'm not no so did that sound ducky yeah you sure yeah, yeah. you wouldn't just tell me something to appease Never, me would you you ever. wouldn't sit across this table just to make me feel good about myself no not well ever. that's what drives me nuts about people <laughs> i want people to tell me no you suck no you sound good you sound good i don't know if i sound good but i want to be able to be like yeah i got that down like i feel like some of my problem is is that i'm bringing everything well See, to me, that sounds ducky, right? Like yeah. in my ear, that sounds like a hen mallard. Yeah. But the only way to really do it is to record it, in my opinion, and yeah. play it back. Because I don't think the sound traveling from the end of this call and this exhaust to it's my ear. It's not far enough away. I, yeah, I don't think that I have time to really hear the tone and the pitch and everything in it. The cadence sounds right. This The, the speed. That, to me, sounds ducky, right? Like that would kill ducks. But. I don't get the reaction out of you or the instant gratification, in my opinion, in my psyche, that makes me go, man, I did it. But the yeah. other part of it is this, is that a lot of people, when they pick up a duck call and they and they blow it for somebody or a pair of drumsticks and they play your drums um, or anything, like they want that instant gratification. Oh, yeah, you got it. Because most people just are saying shit to appease people like is appease the right word? I don't even know if that's the right word. Anyway, they're just trying to make you like either shut up and go away They've heard it so many times that they don't want to say it again. And if I'm going to take the time to listen to somebody blow a call, I'm going to tell them the truth about what they're doing. 
and what they're doing wrong and what they're doing. Like you only have one duck. You need to get more ducks. You sound too raspy. You're grunting in the call. Your mouth cavity is too small. You don't have enough back pressure in the call. You're, you know, you're whatever. I don't want somebody just to go, oh, you sound ducky just to tell me I sound ducky. And but a lot of time people do that. You know what I mean? They just tell you what you want to hear. And I want to get it to where my point in saying that is that a lot of people, like when I blow that call, you're, you're expecting somebody to go, Whoa, you got it. That's awesome. And that's just blowing smoke up people's ass. Most of the time I want somebody to be like, well, you're close. Well, but, you know what I'm saying? To, to, Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And, and, and to come back with you on that is, is that, you know, you sounded great. You sound, you're an aggressive caller. You're a really aggressive caller. You're fast. You push real hard into the call. You want that call. You're running that machine. You're running it. You know, what I tell people is, is that if you don't think you got it, you probably didn't get it exactly how it needs to be. Had a lot of people say on the boss end, man, did that sound like, I mean, that was the biggest thing. I did a call class in Louisiana in Baton Rouge would have a call class every Wednesday. Sometimes I would think we switched it to Friday, but every Wednesday we'd have, man, we'd have massive amounts of people come and want to learn how to blow a duck call. And I try to teach humbling, you know, myself, uh, you know, I'm not saying I'm the best, but I can run it. Okay. And I was trying to teach these guys. I wanted, cause the biggest thing is I wanted these guys to be good. And, and, and not just because, you know, I wanted to buy duck calls. I wanted to be good because I wanted to be them to be more, you know, to kill more birds in the field, to be to be able to brag a little bit, to be able to, you know, have it to where they could go blow contest or whatever and, and achieve whatever they wanted to achieve because, you know, I didn't have that when I was growing up. I mean, I came up here and and will never forget I come up here and, and visited Rick Dunn at Echo Call Shop. Uh one of the most humbling people I'll ever be around. I mean, I called Sounded like crap on a duck call. He did. You I just did. said Rick, you I, didn't. You I, no. You I, did not. I said I sounded like you crap. Would, nobody's I, ever said that about Rick. Really, no. he did. What was he doing? What was he doing wrong? No. Did he have again, too much rasp in it? No. Again, I sounded like I'm, crap. I'm gonna text Rick. <laughs> um, I can't believe you just but, said. Rick But that done. being said, I sounded like crap on a duck call. I wasn't present my air right. And Rick told me one thing. He said, "You know, fog a window." Fog a window, keep on learning how to follow that window. And and he told me, you know, hey, look, this is how you blow, this is how you blow. And and I know he pro- he probably gave me some instant gratification because he was like, oh yeah, it sounds good, you know. And I know it sounded like crap, but but that actual day, I never forget. It came a six or seven inch rain that day, and and we were actually going to look at some duck holes or whatnot, kind of check out some different areas, but. And we backed the boat in, and before I could get the boat off the trailer, it started a pour down and raining. So we drove all the way back to, I was living in Louisiana at the time, of course, drove all the way back to Louisiana, and I blew that duck call, and my friend was traveling with me. Well, Scott sent it there if he's out there listening today, but he uh, he was with me, and, and I know at the end of the day. He wanted to kill he, you. <laughs> he wanted to absolutely kill me. Yeah. That's but I awesome. can tell you this, by the time I got to Baton Rouge, by the time I got to Baton Rouge, I could somewhat fog a window. Fog a window.
or <laughs> just lean back on it a little bit. You sound good. You sound great. You, you're like a little fast cadence. Drag that cadence out a little. Bit. This is the thing with a duck call, in my opinion, and Rick said that too that day, is that when you get it, you will be able to string your notes out forever. <laughs> Keep on going. And see, you're fogging a window right there because you're dragging it out. I mean, you're just continue to get that air. I mean, guys that blow competition, there's no way they'll be able to blow competition unless they're just taking little pieces of air and just throwing it out there and be able to control their air. That sounds good. And see, that's the thing about it too, though, Chad, what we were just talking about earlier. If I put you on a polygraph test right now and said, did you mean what you said no, when I you really said did. Chad sounds good? No, I really did. Right. So I, I, that well, makes thing- sense. It makes sense to me, though, about the fog in the window. And I've heard, I've taught that in goose calling. And that sounds weird to hear me say I've taught duck calling lessons. The first company I ever started in the hunting industry was called Foul Language in 1999. I take that back. Probably 1999, 1999, right after I started duck hunt, 1997, 98, somewhere there had duck calling lessons. And I didn't even, I mean, I, I, the, the goal, the audacity, what in the freak was I (laughs) Reno, Nevada duck call lessons. You know what my mod, my slogan was foul language. If you can't speak it, you're ducked. You're ducked, huh? You're ducked. <laughs> and I was put up posters. I had people hire me. I was getting paid cash money. Jeez. Give me that cash money. I'm being I, for I real. I need to go to Nevada. I'm being for real. People be like, yeah, I'll give you $100 for 30 minutes to teach me how to do that. I'd be like, yeah. Taught them. Come out of there. They come out of there sound like a hen mallard. And now, here I am 18 years later, 20 years later, and I'm wondering if I sound like a hen mallard. So I need to refund some of these freaking people's money. And I know them. Gary Matice, Jack Ellington, Monty Baldwin. I can keep going. It's like a fraud. I was running a fraud game. <laughs> Not embezzlement, but I was fraudulently telling these men that I know how to blow a duck call and y'all should listen to me. And they'd listen to me call. They'd be like, oh, wow. No. And I just keep showing off on Yeah. And the thing about it is, is just like we talked about earlier. Everybody sounds different. If I was sounding like you and you were sounding like me, what good would be be we would be good, but we wouldn't be as good. We wouldn't sound as real in the timber, the field, wherever, because we have a different voice. You know, I think that has a lot to play, you know, a lot of role in 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 what you sound like is what your voice is, you know. But I think it's really freaking cool. That you can pick that up and do those five or six different ducks and then the bouncing hen and then all that and have very, very different ducks and have names for them. Like your freaking name, your chickens or your cows or whatever, your deer on your deer camera. Yeah, we're going to go after 
Drop down. We're going to go after Spiny today. And I'm like, dude, how can you kill something that you named? Yeah. You know, he's on my hit list. He's been on the hit list for three years. Haven't found him. He turned into the ghost. So we renamed him Casper. Today we're going after Casper. He likes to eat clover. And I'm just making fun of deer hunters. I love, <laughs> them. I love them all. I love Lee. I love Tiffany. I love them all. They're just weird. They're like, I'm going to go grow my deer big. Got the food plot out there. Got my stealth cams up. Well, that's what's so amazing when a duck is, is that as much as you try, you can't control them. No. Hell to the no. That's what you I'm saying. You can build the best duck property in the world and have one day a good duck hunting on it. I got all this flooded corn. Oh, yeah. 20,000 mallards hit it one night. They eat it. They're gone. gone. You never see them again. You got no food left. Gone. It's hard. You just never know what's going to happen with ducks. They're awesome. That's what's so awesome They're about They're the them. best thing. And I think it's so cool that I can say fine and you go... <laughs> I see one thing that you really work your jaw and your lips like fine. I don't know if that was fine. Don't know. Might add too much rap. So I'm I'm just clenching down on that, you know. That's close. Yeah. It's right there. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's cool that you can go down that list and be like Let's be like Slash with a guitar, like C, D, Black Dog, Sweet Child of Mine, Unforgiven. Just name all these songs. He just goes into them, and that's proficiency. There's guys that can do that. Play this song. Play Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah. Play Master of Puppets, and they hear that you hear that little Metallica riff, or play freaking Iron Man by Black Sabbath. Whoa. That's just like, that's what you're doing. I'm like, really. I'm like, play. it is unbelievable. There's just muscle memory. What, music is so badass. I wish I'd never picked up a freaking baseball bat. I'm going to go hit home runs and get a girlfriend. No, you're going to suck and not get drafted. I could be in a freaking band right now. Axl Rose is 55. Mick Jagger's like going on a 91. Keith Richards has got to be 105 the way he looks. And they're still rocking. There ain't no baseball player swinging the bat at 65. Made a lot of money, I guess. But I just wish, like, this whole thing about duck hunting is that in duck calling and jargon and what we're trying to do with this brand and these calls are so badass. And that's why I did it. Like, I got involved in this with you when you came to me if they weren't something different and something awesome. And I think that through talks like this, it's teaching me, like, man, you're not there yet. I can go kill ducks in the timber. I can go out there and I, I feel like I can call with anybody. I'm not scared to call anybody. I know that there's thousands of people better than me. A lot of eight-year-olds in this state where we sit right now are better than me. But, and that might be an exaggeration, but I'm humbled and, and, and realistic enough to know that I'm not doing anything special on a duck call. And to get an ego to do, blow these things is the most asinine thing that I've ever seen in my life. And you see it a lot. The duck hunting community is so ego based and so drama based that it's like, chill out. This is a duck call. You're not Norman Schwarzkopf. You're not Oliver North. You're not freaking sending our troops in. You're not operating on somebody's brain. You're operating a little freaking $150 duck call. Chill out, Dan, or whoever you are. I love the word Dan. I like Dan. You look like a Dan. Dan the bacon be guy. A Dan. <laughs> Dan. But you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> No, just I mean, just out. like you said, how you said, I don't feel like I'm there yet. I feel the same way. I really do. I mean, I be, uh, I'm fortunate to hunt with, you know, a lot of good duck callers out there. And when I get in the woods, I'm like, I want to sound like that guy, you know? And so 
I do too. And when I heard you do that tonight, I'm like, I'm going to get that down. Now my new challenge to myself is um, since Mr. Talk a lot over here, isn't going to talk to me for the seven hours to Oklahoma tomorrow. He's going to have to get some noise counsel, noise canceling <laughs> headphones at the Best Buy, or you might go online right now to the Amazon Amazon freaking monster. He might be deaf. That's the reason why he's not talking yeah, to it you. Might be. That's what he wears them. He had earplugs in and then earmuffs and then a beanie over his earmuffs and then a hood over his beanie. I'm like, you got four levels of freaking hearing protection right now. And I'm like, turn the mojo off. I love Eric. He's awesome. All right, man. I'm fired up about these calls. Jargongamecalls.com at jargongamecalls on Instagram and Facebook. And we're excited about the brand. Again, we're not reinventing anything. We feel like our calls are different. We feel like they're legit from everything from the friction hold to the tone board, to the stopper, to the way they're being tuned, to the way they look, to the way they feel in your hands, to the community we want to develop and, and, and associate ourselves with the jargon community, jargon, the specialized vocabulary amongst a group of people. We all different groups of people have it, man. I'm telling you, they do. You go to a pistol range and listen to a pistol team shoot you're like man they're talking the weird ass language here but they all know what they're saying we talked about in part one of this podcast pilot speak you ever heard a pilot on his radio headset to to air traffic control you, you don't understand that shit i'm like what'd you just say it's almost like that little interpreter like you're in the ufc octagon when the interpreter's in there he's like, blah, 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 blah. and then he goes he said happy birthday what yeah. he was talking for five minutes but anyway it's like you you the jargon is there and it's evident in everyday world. I want people to understand that name and why we named our call. It's not just a catchy name. It rolls off the tongue nice. Like, oh, can I get a bottle of jargon? Yeah. <laughs> jargon? <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's, it's the specialized vocabulary amongst a group of people. And again, we talk it amongst each other's duck hunters, turkey hunters, deer hunters, We're predator hunters. All night. We have all night. And then you speak it to your dog. Fetch. Mark. Steady. Heal. Sit stay whatever it is and then you speak it to the duck so there's all these different levels of jargon being done and that's what we want people to see and and hopefully get involved with and the other thing is is that we're not going to ever say our calls are the best no. We just want you to test, test them out, go hunt with them, see if you like them. The response has been amazing. So humbling so far to hear people and see the success stories and in, in the short time that we've had them out. And here we sit now in Arkansas in January, 2019, after three or four days of awesome duck hunting and just go hearing people call and getting so excited. Like, man, listen to Eric. He sounds like ducks. And then that video that Andrew sent me tonight and we're like, damn. And I wrote him back, dude, that sounds freaking rad, which is one of the coolest words ever invented. Rad. Remember that BMX bike movie, Rad? Oh. Freaking rad. Yeah. Dude, you're rad. I like when you say, like, a girl's rad. Like, dude, you're rad. Like, that's a cool... Remember that, like, eighth grade? You're so rad. That must have been some of that California stuff. No, I'm from Nevada, <laughs> close to California. God, we are turning into California. There's are a couple good parts of California. Again, guys, jargon game calls. We're going to end it. Tom's going to cut us off with that song by Leith Lofton. Before I do that, I just want to say that there's brand new episodes of the Foul Life airing on the Outdoor Channel right now. New Foul Life merchandise at the Foul Life store at Foul Life. 
thefoullife.com, thefoullife.com. There's new merchandise coming for This Life Ain't For Everybody. There's brand new Foul Life and This Life Ain't For Everybody hats. We got new lines of Gator cups and tumblers coming soon with Cerakote. They're going to be so badass. A lot of cool things coming in that sector. We also have new Jargon merchandise, hats and sweatshirts and t-shirts available at jargongamecalls.com. We have new beanies coming. I'm going to post one tonight. They are so slick. A patch beanie with the mallard foot with the band, the banded mallard. I love that word banded. Love it. Love that word. Um, a lot of cool things happening. Thank you so much for the support at This Life Ain't For Everybody. The response to our podcast has been awesome. We're trying to keep the, the the guests diversified. We got professional athletes coming up. I got a professional skateboarder coming up. We have Scotty Lego, the professional snowboarder coming up again. We have Jordan Harbitson coming up. He's the co-founder of Mountain Ops Supplement out of Utah. We're going to be with Team Traeger coming up soon. We'll talk with Tyler Stark and Danny Bruce and Chad Ward some more. I have some musicians coming up as far as guests, but we want to diversify them today we had chris cifrio we talked about duck calling we talked about boss drives we talked about boats and motors and flooded timber and dogs and duck camp and mr billy's breakfast and brandon and joel and todd and brian and everybody down at prairie wings in arkansas i mean we just that's what this is about man it's called this life ain't for everybody and i'm not trying to say that being a duck hunter is not for everybody i'm just saying that there's so many different walks of life don't judge a book by its cover get to know somebody it doesn't matter if they're a, a janitor i've had great duck hunts with janitors and pilots and country music stars and rock stars and actors we're all people we all put our pants on the same and when we're in duck camp we definitely are the same so just think about it that way that your life might be different than mine your life might not be for me my life might not be for you but once we're together we can get to know each other on a different level we might argue and bicker a little bit like chris and i have done for the last 72 hours i've won every argument but that's what it is this life ain't for everybody i'm chad belding chris cifrio for jargon game calls tom's going to interrupt what we're getting ready to do with leith lofton what's she going to do when that money's all gone you know it's become the theme song of the foul life over the past five or six years and now it's the theme song of this life ain't for everybody podcast and one day i'm going to tell you the story of where i came up with that name for a podcast this life ain't for everybody my buddy remy warren who has got he's been very successful in the hunting world he sent me a text today of us i think he was in costa rica or the dominican or maybe belize or brazil or somewhere he travels every we're hunting and there was a sign in there about the beach and it was like to say hey man this beach life and it says this life ain't for everybody on it and he's like man they even got your podcast down here i thought it was awesome it was so, cool. yeah man we, yeah, we're, we're, we're down there we're, we're headed down there i think but anyway tom go ahead and cut us off when you want but chris and i are going to end it after this little swig of water if they were a sponsor i would name the brand i'm just drinking agua and thank you to all of our partners and sponsors this podcast was brought to you by our friends at Bosch Drives in Louisiana and Jargon Game Calls in Arkansas. So, Chris, let's just do a little team calling. Try to hit a couple of those different name them again. We got the fine. We got the coarse. We got the raspy. We got the boss. We got the lazy. We got the bouncing. We're going to mix that in with some lonesome hens, some quacks some feed chatter some double cut feed chatter and we're just going to end this podcast like that hope you all enjoyed it we're going to have more podcasts with chris cifrio coming up and please just check us out at jargongamecalls.com give our calls or merchandise a try we truly appreciate the support we're humbled by it tom don't start it yet just start in a few seconds chris go
Get them, boys. <laughs>